a lot of financial planning and financial confidence and financial success is really surrounded around discipline, discipline, teaching them how to be disciplined, teaching them, educating them on, you know, like I said, what they have, but then holding them accountable. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. Certified divorce coach and credentialed mediator Paulette Rigo invites you to grab a favorite beverage, find a cozy seat, soothe your soul, and take a listen. This podcast was created and inspired by our courageous journeys, love for connecting with others, and having meaningful conversations that teach, impact, and heal through sharing our stories. In each episode, Paulette will be joined by some of the most experienced and compelling experts in all things divorce and transformation. Listen to prepare and thrive through the toughest chapters as we reveal our hardships, celebrate our lessons learned, and see the future clearly with encouragement, hope, and joy. Leave feeling empowered and prepared to approach life and maintain our dignity no matter what. Each podcast episode focuses on sharing real conversations from real-life situations. Isn't it time you thrived? Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project, the podcast designed to really help men and women through all times of turmoil, change, transformation, and divorce. Today, I am thrilled to have a client and an educational professional in the world of all things finance joining me today on the podcast. Her name is Kelly Hazel. Kelly with just one L and an I, everyone. So if you're Googling or looking, K-E-L-I Hazel. She's a financial planner with a CPA designation and an entrepreneurial background with a passion for helping people. Her goal is to assist people with their financial objectives, as well as educate them on their financial options. As a CPA, Kelly brings a tax-efficient approach to her clients' financial circumstances. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thank you, Paulette. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you're here with me today. So I brought you in today for a selfish reason, because my clients as a certified divorce coach and a mediator are, most of the work we do revolves around what to do about the finances, having them, not having them, keeping them, saving them, not spending too much, uh, the tax ramifications, keeping the house. I mean, there's so many decisions, how to pay for the children, custody, child support, it all, you know, revolves around the finances, right? I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. It sounds so superficial because really there's an emotional aspect to the divorce process too. And no doubt about it, we have emotions tied to money. Yeah, I'm sure you see that on a daily basis. So tell us a little bit about your story and why you feel, why are you the go-to expert for women predominantly with small children who now are faced with these daunting decisions of how to survive and thrive after divorce. Well, my story um, started about 18 years ago and um, I was in a unhealthy marriage. Um, 
I knew that if I stayed in this marriage, um, it would not be good for my kids. Um, I wouldn't be the mother that they needed. I wouldn't be the woman that I needed and that I am today. So it started out, um, well, it started out with an infidelity. And, but for about a, almost a year, I had absolutely no, no clue what was going on. I just knew my life was falling apart. I had three small children. Um, they were less than one, three and five. And when I finally found out what was going on, it was actually a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, and at that point, it was like something just kicked in in me. And I was like, okay, I have to take care of these babies. Um, they didn't ask to be put in this position and I need to take care of them. So through that inspiration, um, I found myself able to compartmentalize. Uh, yes, it was very emotional. It was, um, there were days that I just cried, um, but I had to basically kind of pick myself up by the bootstraps. <laughs> um, and I had to just say, okay, this is a time when I can grieve and cry. And this is a time when I need to be very businesslike and matter of fact and professional. And so I would be very professional and businesslike when I was going through mediation, um, negotiations, things like that with my um, soon to be ex. And you would have never known in a million years that I had all this emotion inside me when I was had that hat on. And then there were times where I would have good friends or a neighbor and they would say, just come on over, I'll watch the kids. And then that's when I would kind of just let myself break down. Obviously not in front of the kids. Um, I had a good support system. So I would have my moments where I could just let go. So that would be my biggest piece of advice to anybody starting this journey is you have to learn how to compartmentalize and separate the personal from the business financial aspects. Mm. And it's not easy to do that, right? Because you've got the financial emotions attached to the fear associated to that and the responsibility. Let's face it, having money is a responsibility. It just oh, is. Yeah. And if you're irresponsible with it, and I'm, whether it's $10 or $10 billion, it's, it's a big responsibility. Um, but now you've got the legal aspect to think about and what does that look like? And you've got the real estate issues of the house and where you're living and who's living where. And then of course you have, most people have a mortgage and what does that look like? There's a big picture of uh, how do we work that out, which is also tied to the finances. Then you have the parenting issues or co-parenting issues because that can get deeply complicated and deeply emotional, particularly if there is some sort of either, I call it the A's, infidelity. So affairs, addiction, abuse, and alienation, all of those kind of behaviors that don't really go well with a committed um solid marriage that we that we want to be able to be able to move forward together and then you also have the mental health component of it right you've got the psychological emotional mental part but then you also have the the financial spiritual part and then the physical sexual part to have the whole like relationship and the layers of marriage and and 
and separating that, which is what a divorce is. And so many people walk down the aisle in the white dress and have the big party, also known as a wedding, um, <laughs> spending thousands of dollars on that when it would be more beneficial not just to have an efficient at the end of the aisle, but to have a financial planner or a lawyer or somebody saying, just so you know, lovebirds, this is a legal binding contract that you're being engaging in this. It sounds all butterflies and romance here, but do you guys really both understand that this is a legal binding contract? And there's a lot involved in that. I bet a lot of people would say, hey, uh, hold up, let's just have the party and not get married yet. It, it's, it's unfortunate that we don't educate couples the way we should adequately before they engage in the business part of marriage, not the romantic part of marriage. And that's scary. Yeah. And one of my, um, one of the things I've learned throughout this process, and, and I do want to back up just a second. So I always say, um, in my former life, I was a CPA, and then I was a stay-at-home mom when my divorce occurred. Um, I was not a financial planner at that point. So going through what I went through made me realize that I needed a support system. I needed a financial planner. I needed a spiritual support system. I needed a good attorney. Um, I needed my friends. So when I backed up and really started to go through this process and realize what was going on. The first thing I did actually was reach out to a good friend of mine who's a CPA and she referred me to a financial planner. And this financial planner gave me some very good tips um, before the divorce process even started that I just found very just priceless. And now I am an advocate of that with my clients who come to me prior to a divorce. And one of those things was basically make copies of all your financial documents, anything you can think of that has a, a number associated with it, make a copy of it, um, put it in a safe place, you know, make sure you are well aware of, you know, what accounts you have, um, bank accounts, investment accounts, IRAs, retirement accounts. And I have found even my friends who are happily married and then those who I've counseled through divorces that many times women don't know what they have. And that was one of my inspirations to get into this business is I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to educate women and let them, you know, understand that they need to be involved in the financial piece in the whole marriage, not just the romance and the travel and the kids, but the, the financial piece and they need to know what they have because they could find themselves suddenly single, even if they're in a healthy marriage by the divorce, I mean, the death of a spouse. So it's very, I can't emphasize it enough that they need to know what they have. Mm. Well, I'm the poster child for that. I mean, I really was very unaware of everything and that's no fault of my, my husband, my ex-husbands, you know, I just checked out. I, you know, you take care of it. I got a house to take care of, um, a business to help run and three little kids to cart around. And um, between the laundry and the thank you notes and the shopping and the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it felt like much of a relief to just put that burden in the hands of my spouse. And I realized I'm not, I wasn't alone, Kelly. I mean, there's, 
there's a big long line of women that fall into that category. Absolutely. I see it all the time. Now, there are women that are the opposite. They're more of the the fastidious dot the I across the T type of piece people that do have their hands on, uh, you know, have a grasp or a handle on the finances, but yet there's still this feeling of um, overwhelm when it comes to, um, uh, what's the word, just even investing wisely. So maybe the credit cards and, and the shopping and paying the monthly bills, but when it comes to the bigger picture, there are, there are many people out there that really just um, allow or delegate, right, to others, their spouse, okay, because there's only so much time in the day, and we all kind of have to, um, uh, you know, we use our time wisely, right, so it happens when you can be apathetic about finances or about anything in general, so if you're listening to this, and you're, you fall into that category, like, don't beat yourself up, like it, it's common, particularly oh, yeah. when you have little kids, you must see it all the time where somebody comes in and, and you ask them, so what do you have? And they go, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are more, uh, there's a lot of women out there that really don't. And like you said, it's, it's, they're focused on, you know, raising the kids and being the room mom and, you know, just taking care of the house and, and just doing all those things and doing it to the best of their ability. And, and a lot of them don't even want to know. And then some do want to know. But one of the things I like to do, and I have a passion for helping women, is uh, I, like to, I like to educate. Um, I want to teach them. I don't want to just do for them. I want to look at what they have. And um, I want them to understand what they have. And I don't care repeating myself multiple times or having multiple meetings. I just want them to understand. And, you know, I will, I will help them. I will do the investing for them. I will do a financial plan, but I want them to understand what I'm doing and why. And then, and also not be afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, that's the best way to learn is to ask questions. You might have to ask the same question multiple times, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I have the certifications and I have the degrees and, you know, I'm here to help you. Uh, I don't expect you to know everything, but I want you to have a working knowledge. You bring up such a great point, Kelly, about educating your clients, because that's where the financial confidence comes from. If you understand how to grow what you have, right, and protect what you have and make it as tax efficient as possible, that's your job is ultimately they walk out of that meeting going, wow, I get it. Like, and they, and they kind of grow little courage muscles mm -hmm. of confidence walking out, standing up a little taller and smiling a little bit more confidently versus, ugh, I don't understand it. It's over my head. She talks over my head. I don't understand it. Um, uh, you know, I send clients to many different financial people based on where they live. And, and that's also something that's really changing. I'm noticing that we're not just limited to working with uh, financial experts in our, our main street downtown town that that's, and we're really living in such a different world now. Right. I mean, I work with clients all over the country. I spoke to someone in South Carolina, in California and New Mexico yesterday. I mean, I could never have done that five years ago, but right. now the norm is that 
you know, here you and I even we're lucky enough that we do both live pretty darn close to one another. But, you know, the convenience of being able to just go to your office and, and, and either having a FaceTime or a Zoom call or any other audio video um, communication method that you choose to your liking. But voila, there we are. You could never, I could never have driven to California and driven to South Carolina <laughs> and then to New Mexico and back Georgia in one day. Yeah. And that all happened because I moved from Boston to Belize and got so used to having to work online. Because let's just face it, you can't just, you know, be in the neighborhood when you don't live in, in the United States anymore. But it's people are really accepting that. And that makes me happy that we're able to really broaden and, and have a more and more uh, deeper effect on helping other people other than just our zip code. Right. Yeah. How do you find that that's affected your business? Well, actually, um, you know, believe it or not, um, COVID and, you know, it's very unfortunate that this has all happened, but um, it has helped me technology wise. And I have done more Zooms than, than I have ever done in my whole entire life in just this last year. Um, I still have several clients locally who like to come in, but it's mainly, you know, on Zoom. I have uh, clients in, you know, various states throughout the United States. Um, so it's again, a lot of zooming or a lot of phone calls, conference calls, things like that. But one thing I wanted to point out too, is, um, not only educate as far as what, you know, what I do as a financial planner, but a lot of times, especially women who, like you said, you know, maybe come in and they're not as confident and they walk out with a little bit more confidence is I try to let them know this is going to be a series of baby steps. Um, this is not something that's going to happen overnight, um, that I will be your accountability partner. And a lot of financial planning and financial confidence and financial success is really surrounded around discipline, discipline, teaching them how to be disciplined, teaching them, educating them on, you know, like I said, what they have, but then holding them accountable, you know, and I always tell my clients, you know, it, if you come in here or get on a Zoom with me and or talk to me on the phone and you're looking to basically hear what you want to hear, then I'm not the right person for you. I will tell you what you need to hear, but I do it in a very uh, tough love kind of velvet hammer type uh, manner. <laughs> well, I'd like to segue a little bit to one of the big questions that I get post-divorce to as the gray divorce becomes more of a, um, a, a dominating uh, type of situation that I'm finding, you know, divorce, anything over 50 is considered what's known as gray and anything over 62 is considered silver, mm -hmm. which I always thought like interesting because then it starts to get into social security and right. pensions and retirement. Whereas the fifties is more of that emptiness feeling, you know, the kids are going to college and a couple is typically is staring at each other in the kitchen table and, and not identifying with one another anymore. And then, ooh, that, that can be that, you know, emptiness. A lot of divorce does start to occur in the late 40s, early 50s, where there is that. But when you get into the 60s and beyond, 
when divorce happens with couples that have been married 35, 40 plus years, that just breaks my heart. But on the yeah. other hand, it makes me happy that they have the courage to realize that they're not dead yet and they still have a lot of love and, and, and life to live. So when, with the, when it comes to the older set, and I myself, I'm 56, so like, you know, I have no problem talking about age. So with the gray silver, uh, you know, issues, a lot of it comes more with social security, but long-term care. Mm. What advice can you give to those people that need to prepare for that? And I know that, again, it's not a quick fix. This is a long journey and each situation is different, but you're the expert in this world. Um, what do you do with that case? Well, first of all, I guess um, my philosophy is that, well, let me, let me again back up just a second. So I was divorced in 2004. Um, I have not remarried since. So I'm not opposed to it, um, but I knew that I wanted to raise my boys and I knew I wanted to become my best self and create a business for myself and really just be very self-sufficient and independent. So having said that, um, one of the things that I did, um, and I'm 54, I'll be 55 soon. One of the things I did was um, I did buy a long-term care policy for myself. And because my philosophy is, um, you know, yes, I have, I have three boys. Um, I don't want them to have to feel like they have to take care of me. And so I did purchase a long-term care policy. Now, my philosophy on that is I am not an advocate of the traditional long-term care policies. I like policies where, um, where you have options. So with a traditional long-term care policy, it is you basically, if you don't use it, you lose it. So again, I like options. And so that's kind of the route I take with my clients when, when it's appropriate. Um, you know, we'll talk about long-term care and you don't want to wait till you're 60, 65 to get it. Um, you know, I suggest right around the 50 mark is a good mark for your long-term care policy. Um, just because, you know, you're only as healthy today as you will be, you know, uh, it, the, obviously the older we get, the more things that can go wrong with our health. So so that's kind of my two cents on long-term care, but I definitely think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary to cover all your expenses of long-term care with a long-term care policy, but I do believe you should cover at least 50% of your potential long-term care costs. Mm. Like I said, have options if you that's, don't go into long-term care. That's very interesting. Good, good to know. Something um, we've been thinking about more too ourselves because you know let's face it everyone right uh, I, my youngest client right now is 19 can oh. you believe it I know and wow. my my oldest is 73 so that's quite the gamut right but oh, the yeah. large majority of my clients naturally are in their say 30s 40s and 50s I do have you know some fringe but it's it's a, a topic that comes up a lot retirement long-term care and as you said, I don't want my kids to feel like they have to take care of me. And right. no one ever wants to, to feel like you're a burden, right? We're never wanting to burden our children. Now, I have some exciting news too, right? That you are writing a book. I am. I am. about the book project. Well, it's something I've been wanting to do probably for at least 10, 11 years. Um, so it's been inside me all this time. 
And I just want to kind of share my experience um, of going through a divorce and how I got through it personally and financially. Um, and I thought, you know, what a better way to, to help women is to write a book and share my story, be vulnerable and share my story with them. Um, the book title um, right now is in the works, but I'm leaning towards a suddenly single. And I'm just hoping that it will be a tool that women can pick up and they're, they want to read it and, you know, just not put it down. And it also, like I said, helps them not only personally get through it, but financially and become their best self. Uh, that's the whole goal of the book is, yes, it's a traumatic time. It's a loss, um, very similar to the death of a loved one. It's a loss and you have to grieve, but you don't want to stay there too long and you want to get through it and you want to become your best self and be able to hopefully like me give back. That's my goal is to give back to other women and let them know they're not alone. Mm. It's terrifying when you feel like you're alone. You don't have anyone to trust. You don't know who to turn to. You don't know who to ask for advice. You don't know whose advice is good and whose advice is just coming from them having their own, you know, selfish needs themselves. And, or like, oh, you're on Betty, you know, use this attorney. And I heard she was great. And like, it, it, you, you, you really need to have smart uh, professionals on your side. And when you don't know that you have options, I know myself, I felt very confused and overwhelmed and terrified, fearful of what could and should happen. So I think a book like this would be very helpful. Uh, I'm assuming this is your first book. It is my first book. Yes, I'm very excited about it. You said you'd wanted to write this book for a long time. What, why now? And how has the journey of writing a book been for you? Um, now, because when I first had this idea and felt it, like I said, it was coming from within me and I knew I had to get it out. Um, my kids were still little and really just, I did not have the time to devote to writing a book. So I just kind of kept it at bay until um, my boys were older. Um, my youngest one is a senior in high school now. And yes, I'm running a business and growing my business, but um, I also have, you know, more time because he doesn't need me, obviously, obviously, nearly as much. So the journey of writing a book, well, Paulette, I have to give you a lot of credit because uh, <laughs> you are extremely helpful. Um, you have a way of pulling things out of me, of uh, giving me the confidence, because I would not say I'm a writer at all. Uh, I'm a financial person. I'm a numbers person. I'm an organized person. I'm an educator. So drawing that out of me and making me feel like, yeah, I do have a story to tell and my story can help other women. Um, you've just been, been the best for me. So, and giving me confidence. Well, I'm blushing. I know this is audio, um, but it, um, it, it's been a joy working with you, witnessing that metamorphosis from the initial phone call of, well, this is what I do. This is my story. I think I've got a book in me, but help to the book is written. Now it's just a matter of filling it in and editing it and having it become a manuscript. And then of course the editing process and the publishing. So, and the cover design and all those other crazy decisions that you have to make. In fact, exciting news. I just got the prototype copy of my, um, 
card deck yesterday. Oh, um, I didn't want them this big. I'm, I'm showing them to Kelly, everyone. They're four by six. I wanted them three and a half by five. They're a little cumbersome, but yeah, it's a, a deck of inspirational cards. So oh, cool. um, all then I wrote all of them. So um, I love to write and I was a journalism major in high school and put that dream. Did I say high school? I meant to say college, college. <laughs> whatever. Um, and uh, I put that dream aside because I ended up uh, working with my mom and, and helping her run a dance studio for 20 years and then raising three kids and then oh, starting many other businesses and the long involved divorce and you know life just takes its twists and turns but I've always been a writer at, at heart and I've noticed through this journey of my own personal metamorphosis and dealing with so many different situations um writing a book is very cathartic and healing and right. and and um validating right and and giving you the integrity to be able to um process what's happened and and be able to help others because i realized so many women would hear about my story and read about it and say i'm just like you mm -hmm. and thank you for inspiring me so i I challenge and, and encourage anyone out there who has a story, whether it's a deck of cards or it's a poem, or you want to write, you know, the next war and peace. Uh, it, it, it's a matter of like, is it a memoir? Is it a prescriptive nonfiction? Or is it a how-to book? And what is it that you, that you want to do and who do you want to help? And, um, I've been really inspired because so many women post-divorce like yourself do have a story to tell, not just about divorce. You know, I mean, I, I don't think anybody, everybody that's been divorced should write a book, nor do they have the interest in it. You could tell a story that's just um, fiction too. You know, it's, um, it's a beautiful journey to have that, that experience to self-study and self-discover. And I know myself as a book writing coach, it's incredibly um, humbling and, um, and um, so much pride to see that um, germ, the, the seed blossom and actually become manifested in somebody else reading your story and, and, and gaining so much clarity and knowledge from, from having that experience of, walking through your own story we can all identify a book that we've read that changed our life right oh, absolutely. absolutely so um what was the biggest surprise you found through the book journey writing journey so far well i was um i would say for sure it was very therapeutic for me um, it did help me process a lot of stuff that i didn't even realize i still needed to process <laughs> Um, and also it was empowering. Um, it made me, like I said, it, you helped me kind of gain that confidence. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And once I started writing, I'm like, wow, this feels good, you know, to get it out of me and onto paper or the computer. <laughs> um, so I would say therapeutic and empowering. Mm. Well, I couldn't think of two better words empowering and therapeutic if we if we can gain the confidence and feel empowered in everything in our relationships and our finances to be able to create the next chapter it, that's really doing your job it's um and and that, and that whole healing aspect too there's um there's something very healing about freeing 
um, yourself from holding in something for years and years and years, whatever that is. And it doesn't have to be some deep, dark secret. It could be something funny. So if you've got a story to tell and you want it, you know, Kelly's Kelly's a great example. I cannot wait to read Suddenly Single. <laughs> I haven't read it yet because she's still in tying in some, some last um, steps that she needs to do to integrate her work into her story. But it's exciting to watch that. So, so watch out for Suddenly Single, everyone. It's going to be fabulous. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for your time. And I'm also fascinated that you were a NFL cheerleader and you danced at the Super Bowl. So that is a fabulous little um, tidbit. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that experience. That must have been super cool. Oh, it was awesome. Well, I was a, I was a dancer since the age of three and my um, childhood dream was to dance on Broadway. Um, I actually wanted to be a rockette, but I'm a little too short for that. So, so that dream didn't come to fruition, but um, I kept on dancing throughout my whole life up through college. And then once I graduated from college, um, I had moved to Tampa with my job. I was um, working with Arthur Anderson in auditing and I was taking dance lessons and I was asked to be part of the uh, Super Bowl uh, pregame show. And I said, absolutely. And I'm, that's a chance of a lifetime. And then shortly thereafter, I uh, actually a really good friend of mine convinced me to try out for the, um, the NFL team, the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I was like, no, you know, I won't ever make it. But anyway, long story short, I made it. I did it for two years and it was incredible. So since I couldn't dance on Broadway, this was definitely, definitely the next best thing for me. So well, I've been a football fan my whole life, so um, I think that's fabulous. Good for you. Thank and I'm you. really um, proud to know you and witness the work that you do. And anyone that needs or really is curious about getting much clearer on their financial situation, Kelly offers a free one-hour consultation. So don't hesitate to look her up. I will put all of her contact information in the show notes in this podcast, but it's Kelly Hazel Associates and she's in Georgia, but doesn't matter where you live. We live no. in that non-location world now. And to all of you, no matter what you're going through, just keep, keep going through it and remember to stay proud and confident. You, you're not alone. Uh, professionals like Kelly and myself and so many others are here to hold your hand and guide you. Um, this is why we do what we do. And no matter what, it's so important that you keep thriving in the chaos. Thanks for tuning in. And make sure if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, you can always email us at thriving in chaos podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.